Good afternoon, everyone. Shalom to all of you here and to those of you who are tuning in. Indeed, we certainly need the peace of the Lord in times like this, don't we? Let us pray as we begin. Father, we come before you this afternoon. And God, we just ask that even as we look into your word today, that your spirit will speak to us, that Lord, grant us new insights, new revelation that we may apply in our lives. As we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. We continue today with our sermon series on the life of David. And we continue to journey with David in his journey before he finally became the king of Israel. Let's take a look at the map that we saw the last time. Yeah. We, we left off at Kela. And then Kela, if you remember, that David defeated the Philistine and saved the city. Then, last week, Pastor Darren took us into the wilderness to En Gedi, which is next to the Dead Sea. And then, that was in chapter 24. And it is still a wilderness today. If you have a chance to visit Israel, it is still a wilderness. It has become a tourist spot that you can go visit and explore. In fact, if you go to YouTube and Google, you will find some information. And then we also went to chapter 26, where he went to Zip. And then in both, in both places, we saw that David had the chance to kill Saul, but he did not. Why? Because he kept to his guiding principle, and his guiding principle was do not touch the Lord's anointed. So he kept that, he stick to his principle. And today we move on to the city of Moan in 1 Samuel 25. It is a very long chapter, so we will look at it. We will, I will read it in two parts, okay? So do follow me in your Bible now. Let's first look at verse 1 to verse 22 in 1 Samuel 25. 1 Samuel 25. Now Samuel died, and all Israel assembled and mourned for him. And they buried him in his house at Raman. Then David rose and went into the wilderness of Paran, and there was a man in Mourn whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal. And his wife, and the name of his wife was Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful. But the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Kilimite. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal, Nabal, was shearing his ship. So David sent ten men, and David said to the young man, Go to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus you shall greet him. Peace be to you, and peace be to your household, and peace to all that you have. 
I heard that you have shearers. Now your shepherds have been with us, and we did them no harm, and they missed nothing all the time they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore let my young men find favour in your eyes, for we come on the feast day. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son David. When David's young men came, they said all this to Nabal in the name of David. And then they waited. And Nabal answered David's servant, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shearers and give it to men who come from I do not know where? So David's young men turned away and came back and told David all this. And David said to his men, Every man strapped on his sword. And every man, every man of them strapped on his sword. And David also strapped on his sword. There were about 400 men went up after David, and 200 remained with the baggage. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, Behold, David sent messages out of the wilderness to greet our master, and he reeled at them. Yet the men were very good to us, and we suffered no harm, and we did not miss anything that were in the fields as long as we went with them. They were a war to us both by night and by day. All the while, we were with them keeping the ship. Now therefore know this and consider what you should do. For harm is determined against our master and against all, it, all his house. And he is such a worthless man that, no, that one cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and two skins of wine and five sheep already prepared and five sears of parched grain and a hundred clusters of raisins and five hundred cakes of figs and laid them on donkeys. And she said to her young man, Go on before me, behold, I come after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. And as she rode on the donkey and came down under the cover of the mountains, behold, David and his men came down toward her, and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain have I guarded all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him, and he has returned me evil for good. God do so to the enemies of David, and more also, if by morning I live so much as one male of all who belong to him. We will stop here for now. What is your first thought after reading this, after hearing this, this passage, after you read this passage? I have something that came to my mind, and that is, and that is, a hungry man is an angry man. How many of you have been there before? A hungry man is an angry man. And then I learned something. If you put the word hungry and angry together, you have a new word called hangry. 
Uh, I do not know how many of you have heard this. I only heard of it about a week ago. And hangry means a state of anger caused by a lack of food. Hungry causing a negative change in emotional state. So when, when a person, when a man is hungry and become, can get angry as well, so you become hangry. And maybe, maybe we could say that David was hangry that day eh? because he was going to ask Nabal for food and provision. And today our topic is dealing with anger. Before we move on, let's understand what anger is. According to the Cambridge Dictionary, it says that it is a strong feeling that makes you want to hurt someone or be unpleasant because something unfair or unkind has happened. So it, it is that sense of um, that sense of being unfairly treated and being unkind too. So that strong feeling that makes you angry. And in the in an anger management website, I saw this, okay? It said anger is a normal, healthy emotion, neither good or bad. Like any emotion, it conveys a message telling you that a situation is upsetting, unjust, or threatening. I guess a lot of us feel that way, right? When we think that we are being bombarded with, uh, with, uh, with injustice, we are upset, we feel threatened, we get angry. I'm sure every one of us, you and me, have experienced this emotion called anger every so often. We get angry sometimes without reason. So anger is a strong emotion that every one of us has. I believe David in this passage was in that state of emotion. Anger, a very strong emotion. But what made David angry? Let's take a look at his reason, the reason for anger. You see, as we, as we read just now, David sent his men to Nabal at the time of sheep shearing, requesting for what? Requesting for food and requesting for provision. It was a sheep shearing festival. It is a spring festival where the owners of the sheep kind of proudly display his wealth. And it's a time of feasting and heavy drinking, as well as a time to be generous. They usually give away the leftovers, or whoever who asks for food, they will, they will gladly give, they will generously give. So David himself was a shepherd. We all know that. And he certainly knew the significance of this festival. He knew what, take, what usually took place in this festival. He knew most sheep shearers would be generous to share provision during this festival. So on the feast day, as we have read, on the feast day, on the day where they have a lot of feasting, he sent his men to request for food and provision in his name. After all, David, together with his men, helped guarded the flock of um, Nabal and befriended the shepherd. So he helped safeguard. Maybe it, they were just nearby, so they helped them, helped each other. 
So David reckoned, okay, I believe that David reckoned that everyone knew about him, knew about his great exploits, and would certainly be kind to him. But Nabal did not. Let's look at what Nabal said to David's men, okay? Let's look at the two verses again. He said this, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their servants. Shall I take my bread, my water, my meat that I've killed for my shearers and give it to men whom I do not know who I do not know come from where? I do not know from where. So I believe that Nabal's reply to David's to David certainly triggered David's displeasure and anger. David was angry when he heard what Nabal said about him. And in verse 21, it gives us an idea what, what was David thinking. Verse 21, it says, And David says, Surely in vain have I guarded all, this, all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him, and he has returned me evil for good. So I have listed a few reasons which um, we can think together whether it is justifiable. So the reason for David's anger is, was that his request for food and provision was rejected. Okay. So somebody come up to you and say, hey, can you give me some food? And rejected. Buy me lunch. Sorry, cannot. Rejected. So he got angry. Nabal claimed that he did not know David. I said just now that David thought that everybody knew him. And this guy said, I have no idea who he is. Then David must have felt insulted. And unappreciated, he said, I have gathered this man's flock and befriended and befriended his shepherds. I, I have done all this thing in vain. And now David felt that Nabal has returned evil for good. That was certainly a big blow. But I think the bigger blow is this, okay? That David's ego was wounded and his pride was hurt. David assumed that everyone knew who he was. And that now he got 600 men that was following him everywhere, were cheering for him. And that he, he thought everyone knew he, who he was and his, uh, and his exploit and would be delighted to help him. But this man, Nabal, refused to help him, refused to give him anything. No doubt, David tried to say nicely, can you identify and sympathize with David's anger? Do you think David's anger was justifiable? Okay. That's one of the questions that you yourselves has to discuss. So I'll leave it to your cell group to answer that question. Is David's anger justifiable? Now, in a book that I read about the life of David, the author said this, Jean Gatt said this, 
All of us are most vulnerable to anger when we are personally attacked or put down. Sometimes it seems that we can handle physical threats better than psycho psychological threats. Let someone puncture our ego, attack our self-image, or tear down our public reputation, and we are in danger of losing control of our emotion and our behaviour. This is what exactly happened to David. David's ego was wounded. His pride was hurt. Saul was after David's life, and David was not angry at all. Now his request for food and provision was rejected. And people say that, I mean, this guy says that he did not know David, and David became angry, very angry. How about you and me? Why do we get angry? Do you think that your anger is justifiable? Just think about the last time you got angry with something or someone. Do you think you have a, you have your, your anger was justifiable? Were your reasons similar to those of David? I guess when we get angry, when we feel offended, we get angry when things do not go our way, or when we get angry when we do not get what we wish, and our anger becomes like throwing tantrum. And sometimes we get angry without understanding why we get angry. Honestly, like David, most of us are angry when our pride is hurt, when our ego is wounded. In this very interesting book called The Bait of Satan, John Bavier, the author, has something to say. He said this, he said, pride keeps you from dealing with truth. It distorts your vision. You never change when you think everything is fine. Pride hardens your heart and dims the eyes of your understanding. Pride causes you to view yourself as a victim. Your attitude becomes, I am mistreated, I am misjudged, therefore I am justified in my behaviour because you believe you are innocent and falsely accused. It is so true, isn't it? And I must say that whenever we feel that we are a victim of a circumstance and pride welled up, the devil, has, the devil will have a field day. That's why it is, called, it is part of the bait of Satan. When we don't recognize our anger and deal with this emotion and allow it to linger in our hearts and in our mind, it goes round and round. And then as our, as our pride begins to take root, as it will turn into bitterness. And then we, we can run the risk of losing control and become angrier. The more you think about the situation, the more you think about the person, you get more angry. And then anger can become a very dangerous emotion. I do not know whether you have said this before, but sometimes in our anger, we will say things like, Ayah, this person is better off dead. 
Then we tell people in Hokkien, it's si Have you said that before? In your anger. So the results of anger can be disastrous and dangerous. In David's case, let's see how he reacted. In verse 13, he said, he said to his men, every man strapped on his sword. And every man strapped on his sword, and David also strapped on his sword. And about 400 men went up with David, where 200 remained with the baggage. And then later in verse 22, he said this, God do so to the enemies of David, and more so if by morning I have so much as one male of all who belong to him. David was so angry that he was ready to kill Nabal and all his male servants. He was ready to kill Nabal, whom he now considered as, an, as his enemy. Just because what? He did not get what he wanted. And first of all, he seek to retaliate. We want to appease our own satisfaction and seek revenge. And David also seek to harm and kill. He told his men to strap up his sword, strap out their sword, and he did that to himself, thinking that he would be happy by reacting in such a manner. Sometimes when we are so angry, we want to harm, thinking by responding in such a manner, we will be happy, that the, that the ending will be happy. And you and I know that in our anger, we can hurt ourselves and we can hurt others as well. When we get angry, unkind words are exchanged. Not very nice, right? Hurting further the parties that are involved and everyone gets angry. And not only we hurt the parties involved, the people around us get hurt as well. And I believe that anger also spoils relationship. Relationship that can turn sour from friends to so-called enemies. Huh? So, the result of anger can be quite damaging. We read in the news all the time about murders and fight. They all started with a personal offence. Someone stare at another party in a certain way or say something or behave in such a way that, that the other person took offence. So anger arose and murders and fight followed. I'm sure you have many examples in your mind as you read the papers huh? that we see bad things happen as a result of anger. David took this offence of Nabal so personally that he resorted to do harm and kill Nabal and all his men's servants. But we thank the Lord for Nabal's wife, Abigail, who quickly came to the rescue she was, the scriptures say that she was beautiful, she was discerning, and I'm sure she was wise enough to come and help David. So, and, and what she said really refrained David from anger even further. 
Well, we cannot ask anyone not to be angry because it's a normal emotion. It's an emotion that every one of us has. And sometimes we cannot help ourselves from being angry either. But we can help another person who is angry or even ourselves to take control of our anger, to calm down so that we can restrain ourselves from doing harmful things, from doing more damage. Let us finish reading the rest of the chapter. I'll read to the end. I know it's very long, but um, so that you will know, you'll get the full picture. Huh? So let's read to the end of the chapter, to the, towards the end of the chapter. Okay, chapter 25, verse 23. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from her donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed down to the ground. She fell to her feet and said, On me alone, my lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. Let not my lord regard this worthless fellow, Nabal, as, as, for as his name is, so is he, Nabal. Is his name and folly is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young man of my Lord whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives, as, as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young man who followed my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servant, for the Lord has certainly made my Lord a sure house, because the Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil shall not be found in you as long as you live. If men rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the, burden, in the bundle of the living, in the care of the Lord your God, and the lives of your enemies, he shall, he shall sling out as from the hollow of a sling. And the Lord has done to my Lord according, and when the Lord has done according, has done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause, and for my Lord or for my Lord working salvation himself. And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your servant. And Abigail and David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your description, and blessed be you. You have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom has restrained me from hurting you, unless you, you have hurried and come to meet me truly by morning, where there, for truly by morning there had not been left to Nabal as much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him, and he said to her, Go up in peace to your house, 
See, I have obeyed your voice and I have granted your petition. And Abigail came to Nabal and behold, he was holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry with him, for he was very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until the morning light. In the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And about ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal and has kept his servant from, do, from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal on his own head. Then David went and spoke to Abigail and take her as his wife. When the servants of the Lord came to Abigail at Kamal, they said to her, David has sent us to you to take you to him as his wife. And she rose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, Behold, your handmaid hand is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail hurried, rose, and mounted a donkey, and her five young women attended her. She followed the messengers to David and became his wife. We'll stop there. It's a long passage, I know. Abigail's carefully chosen words has helped David to come down and restrain him from the intended bloodshed. So Abigail was a very wise lady. I believe that Abigail was gentle in her posture. A few things to note as a summary to what she said. She took the blame on herself for her husband's action. She told David to disregard the foolishness of Nabal. That she said that he was just living up to his name. The word Nabal means fool. So he's just living up to his name as a fool. So please disregard him. That's, that's basically what she was trying to say. And then... This wise lady reminded David of his past victory. That the enemies, is, is a, he may, she mentioned the sling. And I'm sure that reminded David of his battle with Goliath. So reminded David of his past victory. And he, he encouraged David not to pursue bloodshed and stain his hands. I think that was what? They, what he said, and most importantly, he pointed David back to the Lord. He pointed David back to, his, to, to the Lord and David's mission, that he's going to be a king in the days to come. So I think he was, she was such a wise lady. Let's take a look at it again huh? in verse 26. He says, Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from bloodshed, blood guilt, and from saving with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal, be as full. Then he said this, Please forgive the trespasses of your servant, that is herself, 
for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. That is the promise that God has given to David. And Abigail was just reminding David that, hey, you're going to be a king soon, you know. A sure house. Because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord. And evil shall not be found in you as long as you live. And when the Lord has done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has, and has appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause of grief and pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause. Or for my Lord working salvation himself, to save himself, that is. So Abigail was such a wise lady. I think he spoke wisely. Abigail certainly knew David's heart for the Lord. And of course, our dear David cooled down and even praised the Lord for sending Abigail. And he commanded Abigail. In verse 32, David said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion and blessed be to you. You have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. For surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from hurting you. So David was appreciating Abigail and commending Abigail for her wisdom and for her action, for coming in time with the provision, the food and provision to cool him down. In view of this, we, we believe that we can learn to help someone who is angry to cool down and to think wisely, to be rational about it. Of course, we need to ask the Lord for wisdom when we speak. As the story unfolds, the next day, Abigail told Nabal about what had happened, what she had done. And Nabal had a heart attack, I believe. And about 10 days later, he died. Then David proposed to Abigail, asking her to marry her, which Abigail agreed. You may think that David said that the Lord has avenged him. But for our purpose today, we will not go into that part of the story. Otherwise, we will talk for another hour. But the Bible, as we go back to Scripture, the Bible has quite a bit to talk about anger. Jesus, on his Sermon on the Mount, had mentioned many topics, has covered many topics, and anger was one of them. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 5, I believe. He says, you have heard that it was told to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, and whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. We have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murder will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. 
whoever insults his brother and will be liable to the council, and he, whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell. Okay, I, I repeated that, sorry. I, so we see that there is a link. Jesus said that there is a link between anger and the act of murder. We see somehow that there is a link between anger. And we are liable for judgment if we allow this anger to get out of control and become murder. So we are accountable for our anger and the way we react and the way we respond. And Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, was talking about unity in the church. Paul was talking to the Ephesian Christian about being united in the church. And he has this say, and he has this to say, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on the anger. And do not give, and give no opportunity to the devil. This is the advice that I believe that Paul gave on body life. Life in a Christian community, life within the church, our interaction with one another, with fellow believers, that we are to be careful with our anger and not let the devil have a field day to create chaos and disunity in the church. I guess we, we can, you're angry with someone in the love in the love of God, we can sit down and we can talk about it, discuss. It says, be angry, but do not sin. Then James, in, in talking to a, a believer's maturity in Christ, he had this to advise. He said, know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone be quick to know, to hear, Slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So we are to be slow to anger. Somebody's, I read somewhere that it says when you're angry, count to 10. If you are angrier, very angry, count to 100. <laughs> and maybe you will slow down. As an individual or as a member of the community, you and I need to watch our anger and how we respond to the offences. Other than submitting our anger to the Lord and asking us to help, asking Him to help us. In conclusion, I would like to share with you um, from his book, Gene Getz has something to say. First, in dealing with our own anger, he said this. He said, do not make significant decision when you are angry. If we, if, we make the, if we make significant decision, we may regret when we cool down and it may be too late to reverse the decision. So do not make significant decision. Then do not take the situation as a personal attack. Take it as a learning experience, he said. I personally feel that we can get more frustrated than the other party. Sometimes the other party doesn't even know that we are angry. Then, do not attempt to seek revenge. Do not, it may boomerang back to us if we are not careful. So take it to the Lord in prayer and leave the matter in His hand. 
And in dealing with another person's anger, he said this. He said, do not counter anger with anger. Do not raise your voice or there will be no end. I'm sure you have experienced before. I want to be louder than you. You want to be louder than me. And in Proverbs 15.1, we, we are reminded that a gentle answer turned away wrath. And we know that Abigail must have approached David gently. Then, attempt to understand the source of anger. It may be an accumulated issue before the outburst of anger. Help the person to be at ease. Don't, don't add salt and pepper. And then listen carefully before responding. It is important to listen through, especially when it is directed at you. Listen through. Don't try to interrupt. And I must say that don't try to say, I, I know, I understand when we don't know and we do not understand. In this season of Lent, we are encouraged to be reflective. We are encouraged to take time to pray and spend extended time with the Lord. Let us now ask the Lord to examine our hearts and let's pray that the Lord will help us to cope with our personal challenges, to mold us, to be more like Him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for all the emotions that you have created in us. But Lord, we help us to exercise the fruit of the Spirit as well. And one portion of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. We pray that you will help us. Holy Spirit, come and help us with this very dangerous emotion, anger. Help us, O Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.